0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وخاتم النبيين محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم in the law, who amallah, I could a holy saloon island, Nabia, a Yuhaladina, Amen, Salwale, he was selling with Slim. Allah, whom Saliada, Sayyidina, Mohammed in Nabir, me, while early he was selling Continuing with the theme of Nasiha. Inshallah today I'll share a few thoughts about giving nasiha giving counsel imparting advice and giving good counsel to others This falls under the instruction of the Prophet sallallahu الدين النصيحة قلنا لمن قال لله ولكتابه ولرسوله المسلمين وعامتهم. a hadith related by Imam Muslim in his Sahih and others from Tamimud Dari radiyallahu who says we, the Prophet said religion is nasiha we said for whom he replied for Allah and for his book and for his messenger and for the leaders of the Muslims and their commoners. And part of the nasiha for Muslims is to advise them, guide them and show them that's part of nasiha and as we've learned repeatedly nasiha originally means sincerity wishing well purity genuineness being true to something or someone wanting the best harboring good intentions towards another. And having their welfare and their best interests at heart, all of these meanings and more fall into the single word nasiha. And the word nasiha as we commonly understand it, i.e. advice, counsel, this is merely a small part of that. But this is what we will concentrate on today. The teachings of Allah and his Rasul in giving nasiha to others, in advising others, in imparting good counsel to others. How should this be done? What should be our thought? and our feelings in such situations? What are the correct and appropriate times and actually conditions for imparting advice? And when someone seeks us out for help, guidance and advice, how should we respond? Inshallah, I'll try to address some of these issues, time permitting. The first thing to categorise here would be, who are we actually advising? So, on the major part, it will be one of two people. Either someone who's actually come to us and solicited our advice, They've asked us to help them, to guide them, to show them, and to give them counsel. And the other group, either of individuals or more, would be those who don't approach us, but we approach them unsolicited. And we actually take the initiative and guide them, or try to guide them, try to advise them. So, let me speak about the first category first. Every day, or almost every day, we may find ourselves in a situation whereby someone is seeking our advice. If not every day, then regularly, frequently. This is what colleagues, acquaintances, friends, family members, and loved ones do. And even in this, in giving nasiha, Rasulullah sallallahu has taught us so much. First of all. He's actually told us that responding to someone's request for advice, guidance, and counsel is an obligation on us and their right over us. So it's not a responsibility which should be shirked. For instance, in a famous hadith related by Imam Bukhari, Imam Muslim, from Abu Hurayrah radiyallahu an Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says المسلم المسلم "The right of a Muslim over a Muslim is 5: returning the greeting, visiting the sick, attending funerals, answering the call, and comforting The rights of a Muslim over another Muslim, sorry, the rights of a Muslim over another Muslim are 5. The returning of salam the visiting of the sick. Following the funeral, accepting another Muslim's invitation, i.e., for food. And finally, with the shmeedul to respond with a prayer of mercy to someone who has sneezed and praised Allah. So these are five things. And then in a similar hadith related by Imam Tilmidhi rahmatullahi his son and the Prophet says there are six rites. So these five and the sixth rites is إِذَا غَابَ أُوْ The additional right mentioned in this hadith is that along with these five, a Muslim's right over another is that he is sincere to him. He wishes him well. And he has his best interests and welfare at heart whether the other Muslim is present or absent. And in another narration of the same hadith by Imam Muslim, Sahih, Prophet again says there are six rights of a Muslim over another. These five and the sixth one. له, that when he seeks your advice and your good counsel, then you be sincere to him. You advise him. And in another hadith, Prophet says that when your brother seeks your advice and your guidance or then he should advise him and guide him. When one Muslim seeks advice and guidance and counsel from his brother, then Fallusher Ali he should advise him. Now, an interesting question here is that Why should this be considered a right? Because surely, when people are asked for advice, everyone tends to respond. In fact, people volunteer advice without being approached. So what's the meaning of this hadith? Well, one way of understanding it is, if I can elaborate briefly on one of the rights, so amongst these five right, amongst these six rights, one of them is Wa and responding to an invitation. Which means if someone invites you for food, then it's their rights over you, if they invite you for food, that you respond positively and you accept their invitation. Now again, the question here is who wouldn't? But this is to do with circumstances. Now, in rich, wealthy, developed countries where most people are wealthy, when someone invites another for food, it is an occasion and one would expect that the other person will throw a lavish dinner. And so it's an occasion. But in some parts of the world, and if we understand this hadith at the time of the Prophet not everyone was rich. Many people were poor, but despite their poverty, They were generous, hospitable, caring, and considerate. And what they would do is they would try to honour their friends, their neighbours, their guests, as much as possible, despite lacking the means to do so. Which meant, sometimes, inviting them for food but not being able to present much. Sometimes the food would be simple. So, in such situations, there is a danger that a person is invited, but looking at the poverty and the privation and the lack of wealth of the host, a person may make excuses and decline the invitation. So it's, so a person looks at, not the invitation, but the host, the person who is inviting them, that are they worthy of my attention, of my being their guest, of my responding to them, of me visiting them in their home, because it doesn't look like this person can do much for me so it's in about such situations that the prophet sallallahu alaihi emphasizes where there is a danger that where there is a danger that this person will look at the person who's inviting them the host and be dismissive and contemptuous and arrogant and remain aloof the prophet sallallahu has taught us that it's actually the right of that Muslim over us to respond positively to their invitation and to accept it. Similarly, the right of a Muslim over another Muslim to be advised, to be counselled, to be guided when they seek a person's guidance and counsel is in such situations where there is a danger of a person making excuses and trying to wriggle out of that responsibility. And that happens. So yes, on many occasions, people volunteer advice without being approached. However, sometimes in their desire to protect themselves and in their desire to preserve their standing with different parties. Sometimes a person, even if they are approached, decline to get involved in any way and thereby not even offer, it, offer their advice. So let, let's imagine someone approaches another person. They approach them because they feel they can help they feel they can advise they can guide and they they have the knowledge and and are in a position to assist them and to guide them and yet the other person the one who is being approached they may have other considerations such as well this person has approached me for advice and the advice they are seeking, I don't want to get involved. Because it's not my problem, it's not my concern, and I don't want any fallback. Even though the person has, in great desperation, come to them. So this is just one crude example. Indeed, there are occasions When a Muslim approaches another Muslim for guidance and advice, and the approached individual tries to shirk this responsibility, flee from it, wriggle out of it, and decline to advise the person. Or sometimes they can advise them, but partially, incorrectly, incorrectly or with the bare minimum, which actually doesn't help, or may be even harmful. So the first thing the Prophet Sallallahu has taught us is that when one Muslim approaches another for guidance, for counsel, for advice, it's actually the duty, the obligation of this other Muslim to respond positively and the Petitioner, the one seeking the advice, he has a right over the one whom he has approached. That's one thing. Number two. The Prophet wasallam has, in different ways, we learn from the ahadith, that there are etiquettes, there are duties when advising someone it goes without saying that the advisor, the counsellor, has to be sincere. So if someone approaches us, we should review our intention, check our purity of intention and motive and sincerity to ensure that we are advising them correctly, sincerely, properly, with the right goal and objective in mind. There should be no share, no personal share of gain. It should be very sincere advice. It should be given in the spirit of the hadith of Anas ibn Malik an, related by Bukhari and muslim One of you does not believe until he desires, until he loves for his brother that which he loves for himself imagine if I was in this position. What would I do? Sincerely, this is how I should advise this person. Not vicariously like I explained before, where we are too weak to act on our own advice, but we richly give advice to others, expecting them to act on. But we, in our own weakness and our own failure, we are unable to act on that advice. As Allah says in the Quran, What do you command people to virtue? And you forget yourselves? Even though you recite the book? Do you not have any sense? Do you not understand? that you instruct others to virtue, and yet you forget yourselves, even though you recite the book. What do you not understand? So when we advise someone, it should be sincere advice, This, especially if we've been approached. Uh, so at the moment I'm only talking about giving advice when we've actually been approached and requested to help, advise, and guide someone. The person who is approached, the Prophet wasallam, actually says in the hadith that this individual, the consulted individual, is Mu'taman, al Mustasharu mu'taman, So the Prophet says in the hadith, Al-Mustasharu mu'taman The consulted, the one who is consulted, the one who is approached for advice and counsel, is mu'taman is one in whom trust and confidence have been placed. So that's a major responsibility. A Muslim has reposed their trust and confidence in you. Now you have to act on that amanah, on that trust. You cannot betray it. And this is why the Prophet wasallam says in a hadith related by Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal in his Musnad and by others, وَمَنِ اسْتَشَارَهُ أَخُوهُ الْمُسْلِمِ Ashara عَلَيْهِ بِغَيْرِ رُشْدٍ فَقَدْ خَانَهُ Whoever is approached and consulted for advice and by his Muslim brother and then this approached individual, this consulted individual, advises and guides his brother without true guidance, without understanding and intelligence, quite simply without guidance, i.e. without righteous guidance. for خَانَهُ Then indeed he has betrayed. So imagine, the Prophet wasallam says, if A approaches B for advice, and B advises them without righteous guidance, improperly, insincerely, partially, without their best interests and their welfare at heart, Without wishing well for them, without wanting the best for them, because that's what nasihah should be. It should be a distillation and an extraction of purity, of sincerity, of the best wishes. And if a Muslim doesn't respond in that manner فَقَدْ khana, then he has committed an act of treason and betrayal against his fellow Muslim. So it's a major responsibility. And it's actually better, if a person can't fulfill that responsibility, either because they aren't sincere enough, or there's a danger that they may ill-advise them because of personal gain or motive and personal interest, or a conflict of interest. Or they may be sincere, but they don't have the knowledge, the, the intelligence, the wisdom, the experience, the ability to advise. As we learned in the talk last week, that the consulting person also has a duty of care on themselves, that they only approach a habib or labib or an alim or dhura, or a wad, meaning someone who truly looks after them, cares for them, loves them, wants the best for them is intelligent, is wise, is of sound opinion and is knowledgeable. So, if the advisor feels that they don't have these qualities, then it's actually better for them not to advise and help and decline sincerely. This doesn't contradict the hadith of of the other person having a right over them, because in fact they are fulfilling that right, they are responding sincerely by saying that unfortunately I'm not in a position to advise because I may advise incorrectly, they don't have to elaborate or go into these details but if they decline sincerely then, I th- then that's acceptable if they're declining to advise, declining to guide is based on sincerity because they genuinely feel that there's a conflict of interest or that they don't have the knowledge and the experience and wisdom or the ability Then they're actually doing the other person a favour. That's acceptable. So these are just some of the etiquettes When a person is approached for advice. To be sincere. To advise with the other person's best interests and welfare at heart. To extract the best that they can of themselves in imparting that good counsel and advice. These are just some of the etiquettes mentioned in the hadith. The other category of advising people unsolicited, this requires a bit more explanation. So, it often happens that we feel compelled to go out of our way and approach others, and guide them, advise them as to what we think is best. But this is a very delicate, and it can actually be a very tricky situation. And in a way, this is related to al-amr bil-ma'roof wa-nahiyyun Meaning, enjoining the good and forbidding sin. Again, there are many, many etiquettes and duties and responsibilities when it comes to giving nasiha to others. Again, the first is sincerity. And more so than even the first category. Because in the first category, at least we are approached. And when we are approached, then we need to review our intention and ensure that we are sincere, we are genuinely helpful, we have the knowledge, the experience and the wisdom, and we guide accordingly. But when we aren't even approached, and we take the initiative, then we should really ask ourselves, why am I getting involved? Why am I saying what I'm saying? Why am I approaching these people? Is it just to be important, feel important, get my own way, to make a display and a show of myself, to be heard, to be looked up to, one has to be very sincere. And more than the first category, we have to seriously review our sincerity and our intention. The best example of this, i.e. giving advice without being approached, is that of the prophets of Allah, alayhi As Allah repeats from a number of prophets in the Holy Qur'an, lakum. That I wish the best for you. I sought the best for you, and as part of that, the prophets of Allah وسلم, gave advice, imparted good counsel repeatedly to their followers. But no one could have been more sincere than the prophets of Allah. Jalil ibn Abdullah al Bajali, who I've mentioned repeatedly in the context of Nasiha, Imam Bukhari and Imam Muslim, both relate the hadith from him about Nasiha. Imam Bukhari relates that when Al-Mughirat ibn Sha'bah, the governor of Kufa, passed away. It could have been a volatile situation. But Jarir ibn Abdullah al-Bajali, a man of great humility and sincerity, He realized sincerely that his contribution on that occasion may prove to be helpful. He wanted the best for everyone, for all Muslims, so he did step forward. But let's, he did step forward. Nobody approached, well, to our knowledge, he, he wasn't approached. But he, Assumed responsibility, he took the initiative and he stepped forward and he spoke publicly, advising the whole population. But then let's look at Jarir ibn Abdullah. He had those qualities, that sincerity, that devotion, he had that authority and position. He was the leader of the people. In fact, he wasn't just the leader of his own tribe. But he was appointed by the Khulafa as, the, as a military commander. So, he was a man of position, of authority, of influence. Wise, intelligent, humble. Even Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab عنه, said to him, that you were a good leader before Islam, i.e. of your people. And even after Islam, you are a good leader. You have remained a good leader. Even the Prophet wasallam said to him, that said about him after offering him a pillow or in one narration the cloak, for his own cloak for him to sit on, which he declined to do, that, إِذَا أَتَاكُمْ كَرِيمُ قَوْمٍ that when a nobleman of a people comes to you, then honour him. So even the Prophet called him noble and honoured. And he honoured him himself. So Jareed ibn Abdullah al an was sincere. He was a military commander. He was a tribal leader. He was influential. He was humble. He was good, well respected, and he was noble by the testimony of the Messenger of Allah. And the Prophet had specifically told him when he offered his allegiance to the Messenger of Allah وسلم, for Islam, the Prophet stipulated. The condition of one Muslim, of wishing well and sincerity and genuineness towards every Muslim, and he acted on that fully. So Imam Bukhari relates that on the day Al Muqirat ibn passed away, Jarir ibn Abdullah stood up, most likely on the Minbar. He ascended the minbar, And he praised Allah, فحمد الله و athna عليه. He praised Allah and lavished praise on Allah. And then he said, O oh people, عليكم باتقاء الله وحده لا شريك له والوقار والسكينة حتى يأتيكم أمير The O people, cling on to and adhere to and observe the wariness and the fear of Allah. Alone, he has no partner. And be, adhere to composure and a dignified demeanour. And calmness and tranquillity. Because remember, it could have been a volatile situation. Until adopt this dignified demeanour and composure. And position of peace, calmness. Until another governor comes to you. For he will come to you shortly, another governor. And indeed, another governor did arrive to replace Al-Muqirat ibn And then he added, لِأَمِيرِكُمْ فَإِنَّهُ كَانَ يُحِبُّ الْعَفْوِ And seek forgiveness for your late governor, for indeed he would love forgiveness. And then, so see how he advised the people, sincerely how he sought forgiveness and du'a for the deceased. And then he explained to people why he had stood up. And he said, I, O, oh, O oh, people, I approach the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to pledge my allegiance to him on Islam. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam specifically stipulated the additional condition of li لِكُلِّ muslim of wishing well, of being sincere and genuine towards every single Muslim, of wanting the best for every single Muslim. So indeed, Jarii said, I did pledge my allegiance to him on this. And then he said, Masjid Lakum oh, OP, by the Lord of this masjid, I do wish, I am sincere towards you by the Lord of this masjid, I am sincere towards you. Then he sought forgiveness from Allah and descended. This single, I've elaborated on this because this single hadith and story of Jarir radiyallahu an tells us so much. We can learn the etiquettes of giving unsolicited advice, of imparting good counsel and advice to others when we haven't been approached. Of course, we can do that, and at times we should do it, provided we observe the etiquettes, we fulfil the obligations, and we adopt the correct methodology. We have to be sincere. We have to have the ability the position, we have to have the knowledge, the experience. All of these things matter. We must wish well, we must be sincere. He even sought his tikhfar. after giving this nasiha, he even sought the forgiveness of Allah. There's a manner and a method of giving unsolicited advice and nasiha to individuals or all people. So the single incident teaches us a lot. Another thing we need to ensure when giving nasiha that we have to have the knowledge and be quite sure and confident that what we are saying is actually correct. Number two, it shouldn't even be that we have an opinion And the other person's opinion and practice are also correct, but we wish to impose our own opinion and understanding on them. That shouldn't be the case. One (laughs) beautiful hadith explains this actually. Imam Bukhari relates a hadith from Abdullah ibn Umar radiyallahu anhuma. Now, before I actually mention this particular narration, let me remind you of another, well, of a hadith which many of us have heard repeatedly, which is, we've all heard that the Prophet sallallahu passed by someone who was advising his brother whilst he was advising his brother about Hayah, about shame, modesty, bashfulness. So the Prophet said to him, that leave him for indeed haya is part of imam, part of faith. Now, sometimes we understand this hadith to mean that the Prophet ﷺ meant that don't advise him. There's no, sometimes we may think that this hadith means that don't advise him because... Haya is such a basic thing, it's part of iman. So, if he's a mu'min, if he's a believer, then he doesn't need to be advised about Haya. There are other explanations as well, which are normally given. But the truth is, this hadith is often misunderstood. Because what the Prophet wasallam actually said was a positive message about the one who was being advised. It wasn't negative towards him. And this narration of Bukhari, of Sahihul bukhari from Abdullah ibn Umar explains it clearly. The wording of the hadith is, and this hadith, this narration, explains the other narrations. Abdullah ibn Umar says that the Prophet passed by someone who was advising another Muslim about haya, bashfulness, modesty, shame. But he wasn't just advising him. The words of the hadith are yu'atib. He was rebuking him for being too bashful, for being too modest, for being full of shame. And then Abdullah ibn Umar radiyallahu anhu continues, it was almost as though he was telling him that your shame, your modesty, your bashfulness has harmed you. That you shouldn't be so soft and modest and bashful. So when the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam heard this. So what was he saying to him? He was rebuking him that you shouldn't be so soft. You shouldn't be so humble. You shouldn't be so meek. You shouldn't be so bashful and modest. You shouldn't have so much haya in you. Because this has harmed you. So when the Prophet Sallallahu heard this, he said to him, he said to the advisor, Da'ahu, leave him, i.e. don't rebuke him. For l-haya'a min al iman For modesty, for bashfulness, for haya is part of iman. This is how a mu'min is, this is how a believer is. So this trait should be, is a commendable trait. He should be praised for this, not rebuked. Leave him. For al haya min al iman, for haya is part of iman. And this is similar to the other hadith related by Imam Abu Dawood and Imam Tirmidhi in their Sunan from Abu Hurairah radiyallahu the Prophet sallallahu said, "Al Mu'minu ghur kareem, wal fajr A mu'min, a believer. Is innocent, is gullible, is naive, noble. Walfajir Khabbun Naim and the sinful person is a deceiver, a scoundrel, Laim, despicable, lowly mean. What does that hadith mean? This is it. A believer is shy, modest, bashful, soft, meek, not stupid, not unintelligent, A believer is trusting. غِرْمًا <Ghurun>, which means naïve but not naïve in the negative sense is that a believer is unworldly is trusting is credulous so people take advantage of him. Karim, he is noble he is above These lowly, despicable behaviours that many deceitful, scoundrels engage in. And the Fajr is the total opposite. The Fajr has no shame. The Fajr will lie. The Fajr will deceive. The Fajr will betray. The Fajr meaning a sinful person. The fajr takes people for a ride. At times, unfortunately, the believer is taken for a ride. Not because he's unintelligent, but rather because he is innocent and naive and trusting. So, this is the meaning of that hadith. That, al min al-iman." That leave him. I don't rebuke him for being shy and bashful and modest. Rather, because Haya is part of Iman, it's a sign of Iman. That's how a Mu'min is, that's how a believer is. So, I'd like to use this hadith to show that. Sometimes we can approach others and advise them, thinking that what we are doing is good, whereas we could be totally wrong. Totally wrong. So this person was advising his brother, not blood brother, but rather brother in faith, about haya. And the Prophet said, leave him. For haya is part of iman. So not everything has to be according to our understanding, our taste, our preference. We need to be very, very careful when we approach others unsolicited on our own initiative and try to, try to advise them, become a busybody. We really need to review our position. We have to be sincere. We have to adopt the correct methodology. We have to have the knowledge, the experience, the wisdom. And we also need to ensure that the thing we are advising them about is actually correct. And we can't always make an issue, I, when we're advising. So if someone's doing something and that's permissible, and I have an opinion, that's permissible, But for some reason, I think my opinion is better than theirs. Or, Allah protects me from such an attitude. Or, I believe that, yes, what they are doing is correct, but I think this is even better. So let me go and advise them. SubhanAllah. Sometimes it just leads to misunderstanding, arguments. Be and let be. Unsolicited advice is a very slippery slope. And even if the other person is actually doing something wrong, and they need to be helped, they need to be advised, then there is a manner in which to do it. A time, a place, a manner. One of the first things is, it should be done softly, with wisdom. As Allah says in the Holy Quran, Invite to the way of your Lord, or invite to your Lord, yeah, invite to the way of your Lord, with wisdom and with good counsel, with good advice, beautiful advice, calmly, with the right choice of words. Harun al-Rashid, he was the emperor, the Abbasid emperor. He was approached and confronted by someone who rebuked him. So Harun al-Rashid said to him that you have spoken to me thus. He spoke to him harshly. So he said, You've spoken to me harshly. Even when Allah sent His two prophets, Musa and Harun, السلام, to the worst of His creation, Fir'aun, Allah said to both of them, Both of you go and say a soft word to Him. Perhaps He may take heed. Or he may come to fear Allah. So then Harun al Rashid said, And you are not any better than the prophets Musa and Harun, as-salam, and I am not worse than Fir'aun. And yet Allah told them, Allah sent two people who are far greater than you to someone who was far worse than me and yet Allah told them to say a soft word to him. So imagine the words of wisdom Harun al Rashid being a king and an emperor reminded someone who went to advise him and who ended up being schooled himself that If you wanted to advise me, if you wanted to give me good counsel, if you wanted to correct my ways, make me see your way and the light of your way, then there's a manner in which to do it. Allah sent those who were far better than you to someone who was far worse than me, and yet they were told to speak softly. So why can't you? So Allah has told us to, in the Holy Qur'an, to adopt beautiful advice and beautiful counsel and wisdom and a soft word, soft speech. In another verse, وَقُلْ لِعِبَادِي يَقُولُ أَحْسَنُ And say to my servants that they speak that which is the best. In all situations. And Imam Muslim and others relate from Umm al-Mu'mineen Aisha radiyallahu anha that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to her إِنَّ الْرِفْقَ لَا يَكُونُ فِي شَيْءٍ إِلَّا زَانَةِ وَلَا يُنزَعُ مِنْ شَيْءٍ إِلَّا شَانَةِ That softness and leniency Indeed, softness is not to be found in anything except that it beautifies it and adorns it. And softness is never removed from anything except that it spoils it and disfigures it, makes it ugly. So speech becomes ugly when when it lacks softness and leniency. Character becomes ugly when it lacks softness and leniency and compassion. One's mannerisms become ugly and disfigured when they lack rifq softness. And never does softness enter into anything except that it beautifies it and adorns it. Just like the Prophet said about that brother who was being advised he was soft, he was meek, he was humble. He was quiet. He was shy and bashful and modest. But that made him beautiful as a person. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even says of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, فَبِمَا رَحْمَةٍ مِّنَ اللَّهِ لِنْتَ لَهُمْ وَلَوْ كُنْتَ فَضَّنْ غَلِيدَ الْقَلْبِ لَنْفَضُّ مِنْ حَوْلِكِ فَعْفُ عَنْهُمْ واستخفِل لهم وشابِرهم في الأمر. فإذا عزمت فتوكل على الله. إن الله يحب المتوكلين. الله Says addressing the Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم. So it was only through some mercy from Allah that you were soft and lenient towards them. Coincidentally, the word in the Holy Qur'an is "linda" lahum, That you were lenient towards them. It's just uh, how the word has turned out. It comes from So it was only through the mercy of Allah that you were لِنْتَ You were lenient and soft and compassionate towards them. i.e. to the companions. القلب, and had you been harsh of tongue, Hard of heart. لَنْ min hawlik, They would have dispersed from around you. They wouldn't have remained with you. And indeed, that's how the Prophet was. Soft, shy, bashful, modest. So, when giving advice to others, unsolicited, then there's a manner in which to do it. There's a time in which to do it. There are circumstances. Allah and his Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa haven't taught us to barge in everywhere, into every situation and begin correcting things and begin, begin making our voice heard and our views known. And rectifying everything that we believe to be correct, which we believe to be correct. Advising everyone all the time, Allah and His Rasul Sallallahu Wasallam have not taught us to do that. And even when we do it, there is a manner, there is an approach, there is a method of wisdom of good counsel, of beautiful advice, of softness, of lenience, of understanding, of tolerance, of compassion. And this actually ties in with Ma'ruf un anil-munkar, enjoining the good and forbidding the evil, forbidding sin. So inshaAllah I will hopefully speak on that soon, because it ties in with Nasiha. Because they overlap sometimes. Nasihah can become al amr bil ma'roof, enjoining the good and forbidding and preventing forbidden things and sinful things. So, inshallah, I'll defer that discussion till then. I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enables us to understand, may Allah make us amongst those who, when approached for advice, do prove to be helpful and productive in giving good, sincere advice and counsel, helpful counsel, and who act on the teachings of Allah and his Rasul of sincerity, of lenience, of compassion, of choosing the correct time and method, even when we Find that we may offer our advice unsolicited. Wasallahu sallam ala abdihi wa rasuli nabiyina Muhammad wa ala adihi wa sahibihi ajma'een. Subhanakallahumu behandik. Shadwallah ilaha illa and astaghfirukwa to waif.